Yeah, we're, we're live. I'm sorry, I'm still futzing with my uh, headset. Okay, sorry. Welcome. I, I, I wait. You want to turn the music down? Yeah. There been. we go. Oh, it's still playing for me. Anyway, it's a yes. <laughs> Very slow. All right. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, February fifth. Um, I am your host, Rando. I have my cohorts here. Um, Venus. Madman over there, and EK the DJ is actually running the soundboard for us tonight. Thomas has been fired. Um, so Thomas, it was nice having you with us. No. Actually, Don't expect a severance package. Right. Yeah, not happening. And we're taking back all the comics. And that Batman uh, 8 or whatever it was you were still supposed to send to the listener, which you haven't gotten, I'm going to need to get that from you. So, all right. Um, actually, he's sick. He'll be back next week. All righty. So, how was everybody's weekend? Everything was good. Good, good, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so, I don't know um, if you saw our local convention, AwesomeCon, up in D.C. Um, just announced a Back to the Future crew. Uh, so they're getting um, Michael J. Fox, Leah Thompson, Christopher Lloyd, and Tom Wilson. Okay. So, I actually, I think the person I want to see the most up there is Christopher Lloyd. Well, yeah. Because, you know, Reverend Jim, and then what was it, Commander Kurds and Star Trek exactly. 3 or 4. So. All right. So, uh, we got any news items? Of course we do. Um, this one is actually really big, and I'm sorry, guys, you're getting this late because... It started today at 6 a.m., and of course, we don't broadcast until 6.30. But today and through 6 a.m. tomorrow, um, Marvel Unlimited is giving up free um, digital subscriptions to the Marvel Universe. Um, so you have to go on there, like on Twitter every hour. Um, they're having trivia questions. You answer those for a chance to win uh, five years of Marvel Unlimited. So if you haven't done it already, don't know about it, get on the Marvel Unlimited feed and enter, enter, enter. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I read this last night, and I'm thinking, well, we don't broadcast to 6.30 on that night, so losing 12 hours already. But all right, so as it is. And it's only until uh, 5 a.m. tomorrow, so get out there and going. Um, those of you on the West Coast, you still got a lot of time. So Quite a bit. Uh, by the way, just remind everybody, we do stream this live. You're going to want to go to our YouTube channel and watch because we do some show and tell of the books that we have in our collection, which you're going to really like. It's actually turned out to be one of our more popular segments. And um, I'm, I'm monitoring the chat room if you have anything you want to say to us. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Thank you, uh, Madman. Um, in other news, so um, the new Strange Adventure series that Tom King is doing with Mr. Rods and, and Evan um, Shainer, um, you know, the whole um, Adam Strange, whatever. Yeah. DC has now announced that's going to be a Black Label title. Oh, okay. Uh, with so a we, 17 plus content descriptor on it. Okay. I, I like that idea. Well, I, I don't know how you're going to actually do Adam Strange as a as a 17 plus. Yeah, he's so. he's too kid he's kid friendly without even trying. Right. <laughs> well, and it's um, they said it's going to be kind of the same vein as like his Sheriff of Babylon series, mm. um, and then Mr. Miracle and Mr. Miracle, I really only. S see that being kind of adult because of the way it opens, mm -hmm. um, which you haven't read the Miss Miracle series. It opens with um, Scott Free laying on the bathroom floor and he just slid his wrist. Yeah. Mm. So. Wonderful. A absolutely. Yes. That's a dark way to start a series. Tell right? me about it. Um, so I need your help, sir. What is this gentleman's name? Kenyon Lonsdale? Um, Kelnan Kel Lonsdale? Yeah, Kelnan Lon Lonsdale. Announced a month ago that he will be returning to the Flash TV series as Kid Flash, but now he's also said his reappearance is going to bring about a change in both his and Barry's abilities. So we want to take any guesses what that's going to be. 
What can the Flash do in the comics that we haven't seen on the show? He can run up the side of the building. He can run across the water. We've he can seen vibrate. That. He's got he's got the vibration thing. He can do the the cosmic treadmill because they've worked that in with the whole track on there. Um, I'm and they've touched on the speed force, speed right? Force. So I wonder if they're going to catch bullets. <laughs> I don't know. Has it? Have they done the thing where he lends his speed to anyone? I haven't seen that. Maybe that's going to be it. He's done most of them. I'm going to say everything that I've ever known that I've liked the Flash for. Mm-hmm. I've seen him do. Right. So, so you know, I mean, you know, of course, you know, they exceeded the John Wesley Ships show, even though they, I did like how they wrote in where this dude created this um, drug where he gets sprayed with it and Barry vibrates through the wall. Right. That was pretty cool. So, yeah, it be interesting to see how the, what, what they're going to bring into that. Um, I, I'm almost suspecting that it's, it's going to be a, he can enter the time stream at will and doesn't need the treadmill anymore. Right. Um, so speaking of DC, um, the DC Universe um, app and uh, service where you get to go on there and read your books and what have you and uh, watch your TV shows, um, I shouldn't put this out there because it's competition, but they announced they are now doing a, daily D- uh, a DC daily podcast. Hmm. So they're doing it every day, which will have two episodes a week. Um, ah, debuting new episodes twice a week and featuring celebrity guests and creators, which means they're going to repeat all the previous episodes throughout the week and I guess pronounce And so. that could be a great source to get material for um, our show and for those who don't have the DC. Right. But I, could, I couldn't imagine doing a p- podcast about comic books and only talking about DC. You, you know? can if you're DC. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. If you're a podcast that's being paid for and funded by DC Comics, they're probably going to say, it's like, don't mention any other comic books. Because I think that's the whole point is that you can get to compare characters right. to mm. different publishers. And so that's, forth. that's true. Mm. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I, I have the DC service, so maybe I'll I go on it and, and see what's going on. I still need to get the Marvel service. Um, but at the moment, I've been borrowing somebody else's. The yeah. gentleman who just got fired. So I'm going to need you to give up that password as well. We'll go ahead and reimburse you. It's ours now. Right. So so, uh, Madman actually touching on a link that you sent me. There's rumors that um, Birds of Prey, which is opening Thursday, um, has to earn at least $247 million worldwide to be considered successful. Um, That's based on having only a $97 million budget. Um, But they're estimating it's going to make $50 million opening weekend. Um, which everybody says that sounds low, but remember, movies like Shazam, which didn't cost a lot, had you opened at like fifty million in right. this success. Uh, right. But the reason I find this interesting because Madman also sent me a link that supposedly Warner Brothers themselves has said the movie is already dead in the water because there's no pre-sales for tickets. Right. Nobody's buying tickets. That's what I heard. That's what Tim Pool told, tells me. <laughs> I kind of trust that guy. Um, and and it's funny because he also said what I've read. That it is getting good reviews. Early word of mouth is that it's a fun movie. It's you know it's a fun time. Uh, they're not comparing it to Avengers or any of the Marvel movies, but they're saying it does what it's supposed to. It's a fun time, but it's not selling tickets for pre-sales. So well, I I don't necessarily want to judge a film I haven't seen yet. So right. I mean it, exactly. that's not that's not fair. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be a lot like Shazam. The diehard comic and DC geeks will see it, and then they'll tell friends. It doesn't matter if you don't like it. You need to go see it. It's a good movie. I think that's the point of why you may not be getting a whole lot of ticket sales. Right. All right, because, uh, you know, uh, the the big players, you know, the Supermans, the Batmans, you're going to definitely get draw people in like that. You're even going to draw people in with uh, Avengers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so forth. And so now you're getting, they're making movies about these C-list characters. 
you know, no matter how popular they were in Suicide Squad or whatever right. like that. They're making these C-list characters, and unfortunately, they are C-list characters. Right, exactly. And so, I mean, I think the, the Spider-Mans is what, is what draws most of the fans in. The Batmans is what draws the fans in. And you make you bring up a very interesting point, Madman, because you it's 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 kind of a bitter irony situation because you hear if you go on the different sites and Facebook pages and things like that, you hear people always complaining you don't see the C list characters and we want to see more movies with them. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who have been requesting this. Madman just gave you the reason why you don't see them. <laughs> they don't put the butts in the seats. Yep. It's a terrible thing to say, and 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 I think I speak for um, Madman, Randy, and e, and Ek the DJ as well as myself. We like some of these characters, but us us liking them is not going to bring any money. So okay, let's let's back up then. If Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn are a sealess character, then how did Ant Man succeed? Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. You think Paul Rudd is what sold Absolute, that movie? Absolutely. Pa Paul Rudd, and when it was announced that Michael Douglas was going to be in it, it's something about when you have Michael Douglas's involvement in something, when was the last time he made a bad movie? That's just true. And, and Evangeline Lilly probably didn't hurt. And, and, oh, oh. <laughs> and but, 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 but the fact that Paul Rudd, to me, He's one of those guys that no matter what you put him in or who he is surrounded by, he's he holds his own, number one. And number two, he gives the most memorable performance. Memorable performance. Well, he's just got that likable face, likable attitude. It's it's hard not to dislike that guy. Yeah, and, right. And and, and and it's like you just He's that's a very good point, man. Man, he's that guy that you, no matter how much of a hard luck case he plays, you want to root for him to win. So okay, so the like, flip side of like that, like Steve Gutenberg. Steve, oh yeah, yes, yeah. I, I like Steve. Gutenberg. Everyone likes Steve. You got You got yeah, like I don't Gutenberg. think there's nobody that doesn't, doesn't matter like how him. bad his movie is. He, he's just a likable face. But Gutenberg was great in that, you know. Yeah, Gutenberg. <laughs> the movie was one worth a damn. But boy, Gutenberg was good. So on the on the flip side. We admit that Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey are C, are C list. We admit that Ant Man was C list and Paul Rose what sold it. Right. Going on that same token, is that why Captain Marvel, who, I'm sorry, she's a C list character in MCU, not in the Marvel. But they also, print. They, she's not a big name actress. Right. And so do you think, is that why that movie, even though it still did good, it's not this huge blockbuster because, do you think it's well, because Brie Larson? If, if you cast Michelle Pfeiffer in that role instead of Brie Larson, Oh my you, God! You would get far more butts and seats. That's just a fact. Okay. Yeah, and and, and, and on top of that, let's face it, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer is very much more appealing, and I can see her playing Carol, even though she nailed Janet Van Dyne. But but yeah, I could if this was done ten years ago, I could have seen her playing. She would have been perfect as Carol. All right, so... But then you'd have to stop halfway through the movie so she could teach some inner-city kids how to read. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> so there goes EK. And, and, and then we need Coolio to show up. I'm <laughs> All right, so... I, I think so we should allow him to speak. I'm appropriate. <laughs> so getting, getting back to... Hold on, hold on. I don't think we should allow EK to speak anymore until he can name two new warriors. Yeah, all right, two new warriors. Oh. Without, without touching a computer or your phone. Okay, so there is Ponyboy... Soda pop. No, 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 Carol. not not those warriors. 
The Marvel Warriors. Not, the, not those warriors. <laughs> You're thinking about the Outsiders. I then. know what I was thinking of. What did Randy think of? <laughs> I tell you what. You would have you'd earned props if you'd have gotten two Coke bottles and done Warriors come out to play. No. <laughs> it takes, yeah. It takes, yeah. It takes three. It takes three. And they're beer ting, bottles. And they're beer bottles. Anyway, so going back to Birds of Prey then, since we are just talking about that, before mm -hmm. we spend a whole show on just that movie, do you think... And, and I'm, I know what I'm going to say on it, so I'm going to see what you guys say. Do you think, regardless of them being C characters, do you think people go in to see this because of Margot Robbie? I, I think there's definitely going to be that teenage boy element. Mm. Absolutely. Margot Robbie is, if anything, you're going to see her. She's going to be the main reason you're going to see a lot of people. Because I talked to someone today who told me they're going to Regal tomorrow night and said the theater's practically empty. I'm sure. Right. But uh, you are, if you, I bet if you go see it, you're going to see a lot of Margot Robbie. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, the movie even mentions Harley Quinn in it. Yeah, because and, they and make like sure she's carrying the movie. They want to make sure they know Harley Quinn is the main feature of this movie. Exactly. Yeah, she, apparently she broke up with the Joker. I was feeling real bat angry about that. Bat angry. And then E.K. said to me, but it was the Jared Leto Joker. And I was like, well, if you're going to break up with any of the Jokers, yeah, that's the yeah, one to break yeah. up yeah. with. Right. But, 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 I, but, but I'm going to tell you something, guys. I have a feeling that the wild card in this movie is going to be Rosie Perez as Renee Montoya. Probably. Rosie, but... Rosie Perez, she's, she's just like Rudd, yeah. Paul Rudd. No matter what she does, no matter how minimal it is, you're going to remember her. I will, I will say that... While I don't particularly care for how they change some of the characters, right. they do have a good cast. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so, they do. So we will. Now see I'm still trying to figure out how Journey Smiley Bell became black and there, but okay. Hey. Well, we're reviewing it next week because we are seeing it tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, back to the news. Now that we've you know just derailed that train completely. So I'm not reading this series um, from DC Doll H for Hero. Do you remember this series? Yeah. Way back. In, well, so now when we were kids, yeah. Well, it's, there's a new one out there. I haven't been reading it, but issue 11 just got interesting. So apparently there's a villain called Mr. Thunderbolt. I don't know who he is. Maybe he's like the main antagonist in this series now. They revealed, and this is another one that I'm just kind of like, huh? He has all four of the dials. So we've gone from the one dial for Hero to having four. Right. There is a, along with the H dial, there's apparently also a C, a Y, and a K dial. Um, I'm thinking, okay, fine, whatever. Here's the... The catch. Apparently, he can now change the multiverse with those dials. And he even said in issue 11 that he's going to recreate it the way he wants. So I think DC just snuck an issue in the back door of how they're going to reboot again. Well, you do, wasn't it you that said that they were gearing up for another crisis? I, I think so. And, and it's going to revolve around Wally and Flashpoint. Mm -hmm. So Flashpoint 6, they said, is a change to Wally. <sighs> but yeah, it's so. Uh, Unfortunately, I do think there's another reboot coming, especially since they just, in Wonder Woman 750, established that her timeline is the new DC timeline, and mm. she's the first hero. So, all right. So, guys, if you haven't picked up uh, Dolly's uh, for Hero 11, go ahead, snag one. You never know. That might be a pivotal issue here in six months. Um, all right, we got any more news items? Yes, I had. Enos the man, bring hey, it on out. You go hey, first. Go ahead. I had one. Um, let's keep in our thoughts and prayers Dexter Vines, who was an anchor on the um, 
the storyline with uh, where they introduced Supergirl and Superman um, versus Batman. No, no, I take that back. On the Superman and Batman uh, storyline where, where they took down Luthor. Mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. He, he inked over Ed McGinnis' artwork. And as of recently, he is on uh, doing the uh, inks for Terry Dodson's X-Men Fantastic Four. Uh, Saturday, on the 27th of uh, January, he went to the doctor because he had been experiencing some lower chronic back pain. And it was discovered that he has multiple myeloma cancer. Right. Oh, I, I do remember reading this. And, um, but the good thing about this is, number one, it was detected early. And they've given him a very, very good chance of almost a full recovery. And the sad thing is, um, not his insurance is not going to take care of everything. So people are going to his friends are helping him raise money through a GoFundMe account, and they're trying to raise uh, twenty five thousand dollars. They will estimate that which they is an estimate of what will cover his treatment and living expenses for the next nine to twelve months. Um, folks, if you can, go and give what you can because cancer is no joke. And um, being that I've lost family members due to this and uh, good friends who I've grown up with, every little bit helps. And um, we, Dexter, we're praying for you, buddy. Absolutely. Madman? All right, I got some news items here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Trump has been acquitted. Ho, ho, ho. Not on the um, comic book show. Stop. Nancy Pelosi ripped the... This is not your show. You can't do that here. We're, I, you said get some news stories. I don't want that news items. Oh. Moving on. Well, yeah, I guess we can't use any of my notes. <laughs> right, exactly. Damn. Sorry, smack sorry guys. Ma- smack madman. I, mis- I misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to fire somebody else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Troll to the bitter Troll. I'm not to say, man. Next week, his might is me. Can't take it no place, folks. <laughs> all right, so... <laughs> Let's go to the news items, or not the news, I'm sorry. See, now he's going to gut me off. Just going to bother me over here. <laughs> New releases. Um, the three-issue Harleen um, Black Label book just wrapped. And so today, and I didn't actually check this to make sure, so if it's not out there, you know, don't kill the messenger. The hardcover collection of Harleen is out. Uh, that was actually a really great series. Book three was fantastic. So if you didn't get them, or if you actually did get them and just want a nice hardbound copy, pick that up. Uh, and on that same note, Joker Harleen Criminal Sanity number three came out today. I found out that puppy's nine issues long, which explains why it's so thin. <laughs> ah, okay. Is uh, that the one? Um, is that with the really beautiful artwork by Mike Mayhew? Oh, dude. Yes. So. Number three came out. It is not too late to pick up issues one and two to go with it. Trust me, you don't want to be sleeping on this because this story is shaping up to be really good. The artwork is fantastic. Um, Pick it up while you still can get the first two. Marvel, um, X-Men, Fantastic Four, number one. I have no idea what that's about other than it looks like it's another uh, team up for, I guess they're going to be fighting for one another. I honestly don't know what that's about. I just saw Me that. either, but okay. I'm going to buy it strictly because I love Terry Dodson's art. There you go. And, and I know there's a lot of people out there who are just going to stand up and shout, Hallelujah, about time. Spider-Ham, number one. <laughs> when are they going to make a movie with him, huh? Uh, he was in the he uh, was Edge in of Spider-Verse. Into oh, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Oh, right, right. 
but yes, there's a, I am surprised how many people actually love Spider-Ham. My friend Patrick out there is probably now dancing in his room going, woohoo! Because <laughs> he absolutely loves him some Spider-Ham. Um, and I think... Um, Goes well with eggs. I think the creator of The Simpsons also likes that too because that's why we got that whole bit with Spider-Pig on the ceiling. Right, so, right. All right. It's about time that Enos tells us who brought them Lost in a Long Box this week. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This week's episode of Lost in the Long Box is brought to you by Flashback Comics. Uh, located on 3112 PS Business Drive, just off Smoketown Road, in the lovely town of Woodbridge, Virginia. They have an excellent array of new comics, back issues, trade paperbacks, toys, and statues. They're, um, they're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. and Sundays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. They have an excellent manager there by the name of Troy David, who is probably one who is top-notch when it comes to comic book knowledge. Uh, he'll tell you everything, everything you need to know and what you need to get and direct you wherever, for wherever you want. And also, when you go, go by there, tell them they lost in the long box sent you. I do love me some Troy. I'm gonna yep. think I'm, I think I'm going to go up there Saturday. So, All right, now comes the, one of our best segments, the show and tell. Show and tell. It's a game we play. When we want to show our comments. Um, so I'm going to start with a book that oh, I, I really love. love I really love <laughs> what? I really love My this man. series. Um, I had this when I was originally collecting. I had to go back and get all the original series again. Micronauts number one. This is back when Marvel was experimenting with making comic book series out toys. of toys. And the odd thing is, I, there was at least three that I remember. There was, well, four, if you count G.I. Joe, but that was a cartoon. Um, but Micronauts is the best, and G.I. Joe is the best. Mi Micronauts, Rom, and Shogun Warriors. Yep. Shogun yep. Warriors stunk. Rom and Micronauts were surprisingly good. I think everybody who picked up issue one of this went, damn, that was good. I'm going to pick up issue two. <laughs> it's an incredibly cool concept. Um, especially when you find out that this is a really dark beginning for yeah. this microverse. It's, it's not all happy and joy because Mr. Baron Carza here, you find out, runs body banks and takes all the poor uh, and the impoverished and harvests their organs and their bodies to feed the rich and keep them young. And I mean, that's... For you know, 1979, dark. that is a dark Marvel that's comic. Dark, that's dark material for an eight-year-old to be reading. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Soil um, green as people. Right, absolutely. And so, Micronauts number one, and, and you know what was funny? I was telling Mad Men, the hardest book to go back and get in this series was number eight. Hmm. Everybody else had all the others, but everybody wanted like $50, $60 for number eight. Oh, yeah. Do you know why? I know why. I have no idea. You know why? Because I told you before the show. Because you told me before the show. <laughs> I have no idea. It's the first appearance of Captain Universe. Ah, okay. And then Batman brought in uh, Justice League number 108. It's uh, brought in 107 last week. but. Uh, oh, so. uh, hey, uh, DJ Eck. There we go. <laughs> um, I actually think I had this issue, too. Yeah? Um, now, what's really great about this is you see how it's the two uh, super teams about to fight. And Madman didn't actually notice this. I had to go point it out to him. This right the here, which force. I think I mentioned on the show, that is the Freedom Fighters Freedom from Earth X, where the Nazis won World War II. Right. And then Madman told me, I, I don't know, I didn't read it. And I was Let's like, see. what? <laughs> you didn't read your we own got, book? You got Doll Man, Uncle Sam, the Ray, and the Human Bomb. Right. There's no Phantom Eddie on there, so that automatically yep. makes this book crap. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Sorry, Madman. Enos won this week. I think so. Um, this is really good. Uh, I got to find a number. Detective <laughs> Comics number three fifty-six. That is a beaut too. 
Look at that book. Who is he fighting? I don't recognize this guy. The Outsider. Okay. It's Edward Cullen. Huh? Clearly Edward Cullen. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. During this storyline, Alfred gets killed. And this dude, the outsider, shows up, more powerful than anyone that Batman and Robin ever went up against. And it was later revealed that the outsider was actually Alfred. I brought this tonight, being that we that Alfred is no longer with I, us. I was just going to say, what a coincidence, because Alfred's dead in the book now. Right. And, and then uh, they started calling him the insider? Outsider. But after they found out it was Alfred, he was they call him the insider. I'm not sure, but um, being that they're going to be doing, I'm not. I'm pretty sure. I'm not sure if it's next week or the week after. There's going to be a one shot that's going to be a tribute to Alfred, and we're seeing how Batman is going to deals with Batman going on without him. I just felt it was appropriate to bring in a story, something that was reflective of the storyline of what it was like to be without him. Now I don't know. It's got to be a different book because they just did it also in Detective Comics Annual 3. Mm -hmm. It tells a story from Alfred's um, earlier days and reveals that, I guess, his lost love from when they were both with SAS. Mm -hmm. um, although that's got a really great scene in it where she shows up at Bruce Wayne's house, talks to him, tells him about the guy that turned traitor on the team that she has finally located and what have you. And she says, well, here's where I'm going. She says, you know, meet me there in three days or not, whatever. So he shows up as Batman. Um, and lands on her car, uh, or he gets into the hotel room, and there's a note telling him to follow um, this car. So he goes out and he lands on the car, and she says something like, uh, oh, you made it, good boy. And it's like, okay, she's just not even going to acknowledge the fact that she knew he was Batman the whole time, mm -hmm. that Alfred must have told her. All righty. So that's Robin being turned into a... Coffin. Coffin? Well, that's what it looks like. I wonder what that feels like. Getting wood? <clears throat> oh. Or being turned... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Tur turning into wood has got to feel way different than, than getting wood. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Number you no damn wood. <laughs> All right, so here's yours. PG-13. You. Notice I didn't actually say where he was getting wood, just mm -hmm. that he was getting wood. Mm -hmm. um, why, did I get the wrong person the wrong back? Oh, I'm sorry. This is yours. That's yours. Yeah, there we go. Oh, yeah. They were both almost mine. All right, so for tonight's subject, i got to tell you what. Um... I forgot how much I really loved this series until I started digging back into this. Um, hey, man. Yes, what's sir. with... Crinkle, crinkle. Gotta stop. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> um, so, tomorrow, the Birds of Prey movie is opening, which we'll be seeing, and we'll talk about it next week. But tonight, we're going to talk about the series that started. Um, have you read Birds of Prey? Did you take a look into this series back Did, when it was being uh, originally run? When the first... Yeah, when the first... Uh, when Gail Simone was doing it. So... Um, it actually started as a one-shot by Chuck Dixon. It was uh, Black Canary slash Oracle Birds of Prey, which was in 1996. Um, it was kind of funny because back then, it only had Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Dinah Lance, Black Canary. Um, so it's already kind of a, a weird mix. Yeah. Um, and the fact that it's a one-shot, you're like, hmm, I guess he had a story to tell with him. Okay, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, but then I guess it was popular enough that they did a series a year later in 1996. Um, so... It first started with Chuck Dixon um, doing issues 1 through 55. Gail Simone took over from issues 56 to 108, which I'm going to hang that there for a moment because we're going to come back and talk about her run. Mm -hmm. um, but then Tony Better took over from issues 109 to 112, and then again from issues 118 to 127, with Sean McKeever doing the, the middle run from 113 to 117. He was actually supposed to do the whole book, but he only ended up doing those five issues. Right. Um, so... 
now I just derailed my own. So yes, volume one, the first volume went 127 issues. Um, now it was pretty good with Chuck Dixon writing it because he just elaborated good. Um, yeah. on what he picked up on. But it's when Gail Simone took it over at issue 56 that this thing really took yeah, off. Yeah, it took off. Um, so we're going to go down some of the storylines here. Um, so the first thing she does is she brought Huntress to the title, and she did the story arc uh, of Like Minds. And that's why I started reading it. Where uh, well, I think everybody started with issue 56 because I... I remember it had that cover where it said A New Era Begins. Right. And let's face it, that was back in the day when you put a book out where you're Marvel, DC, whoever, and it said A New Era Begins, you picked it up. Yeah. Because yeah. you knew that meant the creative team had changed and something that was going to change with the characters or the story yeah. or the setting, what have you. Right. Um, but what's funny is she actually introduces um, the character Savant and also his assistant, um, Creote, right? Is that, is that his name? Yeah, Creo. Creo. And then I think that's also, I might get a step ahead of myself here. Um, do, 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 do. Now, I can't remember. I know in one of these storylines that it's also the same one where um, Lois Lane gets close to exposing who Oracle is. That might be in a following one. But what's, here's what's really great. So Huntress ends up joining the team. It's still Black Canary and still Batgirl. Um, and then some of the early issues, remember, when Dixon was writing it, Power Girl was a member. Yep. Um, because she leads the team shortly. Because I think when she brings Huntress in, Power Girl is like, I'm not going to work with her. Uh, but that's where the team dynamic got really good. Because suddenly you had um, Diana, of all people, became like Oracle's voice of reason. Right. Like, you, know, you need to calm down. We, we can't do that. Um, and I guess flip-flop of that... Um, she was became more than just a mission controller. She was also like the confidant. And Huntress finally finds that, well, here's a way for me to be a loner but still be part of a team. Right. Um, and that's why that works really good because you see her like, okay, if it's going to go down, I'm going to be there, but we're not going out and having tea later either. Right. Um, so that was really good. Now, did you actually read the other one too that came out after that, um, the sensei and student storyline? No, I did not. See, that, see, these were really good. Yeah, I, I didn't read any of these. Uh, go back, get these trade paperbacks because these were fantastic mm -hmm. on her run. Um, so this is the one where Huntress actually meets Oracle in person. And that first run, she's basically working behind the scenes type of thing. Right. Um, but what basically the storyline is, the U.S. government has now caught wind of Oracle. And so they're basically trying to formulate a plan to interrogate her and bring her in type of thing. This is the one, too, um, where... Lois Lane, I believe, is actually close to exposing her secret as well. But the funny thing about this is the reason the FBI is after her, they actually want to try her for treason. Uh, and I believe this might also be where Oracle now starts working and Birds of Prey start providing information to just more than Batman. Yeah, yeah. So what was really great about Oracle, the way this whole started off was, as you know, Barbara Gordon gets shot by the Joker in a killing joke. She's crippled. Career's Batgirl's over. She becomes, she reinvents herself as Oracle. Um, and originally it was, okay, there's some jobs out there that Batman's overlooking. We're going to handle them. And then she ended up becoming like his informant. Right. Even more so than Alfred. Because you get a lot of issues where he says, Oracle, I need information on what have you. Right. Um, and Alfred starts playing a much minor role in the Batman books because now he's got Oracle doing this for him. 
Um, and she's also in like a watchtower there in Gotham City. Remember, like the big mm -hmm. clock tower? Yep. That's that's where her base of operations was. So they slowly start making her in the Gail Simone run a very powerful source of information for all the DC universe. Yep. Um, not just Batman, but like Robin starts using her. I think there's even some um, issues where Superman and the Justice League have started contacting Oracle for information. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, great book. Um, tell me some other runs if you read before I just take over everything. Um, one of the ones that I looked at um, was, I can't remember which one it was, but there was this one where Lady Blackhawk showed up. Hero Hunters. Yeah. <laughs> And um, that was an interesting twist because she was a character from yesterday, and she and what was great about it is that she just fit right in with everybody immediately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was not the she looked like the fish out of water, but that's as far as that went. And she really was an asset to the team. And um, what really piqued my interest was the TV series. Right. Oh, that's right. Forgot because the Gail Simone run. I think is going at the time that, um, God, what was it? They're not WB. I think they were called CW at the time. Yeah. CW, um, and a lot of you guys out there probably don't know this, uh, before the success of all the, the shows you have now, of course we had Smallville, um, but CW had a Birds of Prey TV show. It only lasted one season, um, and the premise of it was it was set in the not-too-distant future in Gotham, and Batman had disappeared. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so the Birds of Prey had to step up and fill in his shoes because he's not there, but crime is still running rampant. In fact, more so because they know, hey... Batman's gone. Batman's gone for some reason. Let's take advantage of this. Yep. Um, so go back to the TV show because you said just reminded you of it. Now, what I loved about it was I think Dina Meyer was fantastic yes. as Barbara Gordon. And, but Ashley Scott really cut her teeth playing Helena Wayne. But uh, Mia Sarah, who most of our most everyone, if that name sounds familiar to you, was Tom Cruise's love interest in Legend. She played um, Dr. Harleen Quinzel, the um, precursor to Harley Quinn, and yes. we and we saw the evil that was building up. And the the uh, Joker made an appearance at the beginning. When he when when they did the flashback of how Barbara wound up in the wheelchair, right. and um, what was funny, they had an actor come in with all paint and makeup, but they had Mark Hamill do his voice. Oh man! And uh, so so that was good. Right, I remember that. Day. And, and um, they what they did show of Batman, it was um, the actor Bruce Thomas who was the. Um, gentleman who portrayed Batman in the OnStar commercials. Yes. Um, showed up as Batman, and they had this lady, apparently was Catwoman, in the most god-awful version of the Michelle Pfeiffer costume. I'm like, <laughs> really? You mean you even could... worse than what Michelle Pfeiffer wore? It, oh, my God. It was it was terrible. Not terrible, terrible. Break it up. <laughs> and, uh... But but nevertheless, they didn't focus on that, which was good. Alfred was the center of all this, and when the show ended, it was all of, they found out. And everyone thought Bat, like you said, everyone thought Batman had disappeared. He hadn't disappeared. He was keeping tabs on everything. So wait a minute, I didn't watch the whole series because, uh, admittedly, I got three or four episodes in and went, "This is crap," and I quit watching it. Um, so, does Batman actually show up in it? And no, he doesn't. Because I do remember the last episode, because I tuned in for that one, because I think even Wizard Magazine had mentioned it. 
we got to see Barbara Gordon back as Batgirl in the final episode. Right. And what occurred was that it ended with the phone ringing and Alfred picking it, picking up and Batman was on the end of the end. He said, he was asking, you didn't hear him say it, but he was asking how well everything went. He said everything went just according to plan. So this was something that was all part <coughs> of Bruce's plan to kick in or find a way to bring the birds of prey together just to see how they would work. And it wor- and to his um, delight, it worked just the way he well, thought can, it would be. Well, I can tell you, and I, I found this out maybe three four years ago, uh, that series is on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, CW actually passionately put it out there. They said there was fans wanting it. Um, and you can probably get it fairly cheap because I don't even think it ran a full 22 episodes no. either. No, um, But the thing about Mia Sarah, I do remember that she played Dr. Harleen Quinzel. I don't think we ever get to see her as Harley. No, we never I saw think her they as were work, They were working, working towards, towards making when her they Harley. It. But um, you mentioned her a legend. You know what else she was in? Trivia question. I bet Mad Men knows. Oh, it, oh, um, oh, yeah. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She was Sloan, yeah. She was Sloan in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ah. So, a lot of people. And I hate to say this, but I don't know what they did to her hair in Birds of Prey, but it's like they took garden shears to it. I always thought that Sloan and Ferris Bueller were like figments of... Uh, What's the dude? Cameron's imagination. Cameron's imagination. No, they were really. <laughs> no, I thought that was. That's a movie about a very sick man. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I can't, I can't even. All right, so going back to the actual Birds of Prey comic book series, where does he come up with this stuff? <laughs> I'm the madman. <laughs> and you know what makes it so bad? When he said that, all I could think about was when they, when they jacked up Cameron's dad's car and that scene. <laughs> That's a very mentally so, ill man. So, sit. Ferris Bueller doesn't exist. You can't ride down the streets singing and song, jump into a parade. Well, see, now he's bringing up the whole argument again in my mind about um, is Batman actually a patient in Arkham and all the villains are characters in the hospital, the doctors and nurses? It could be. So, I'm w- I'm waiting for the writer who writes that series. Um, so anyway, going back, uh, I do have to backtrack on that uh, Heroes Hunters arc because I was looking at my notes here. Um, this is actually um, the storyline where the Huntress leaves the team because she realizes that Oracle's been manipulating her to get the attitude out of her that she wants, and she comes back later with bringing and brings Lady Blackhawk in with her. Um, which, what was her name? Is it Cinda? What was Lady Blackhawk's name? I remember it being kind of an odd odd name if you don't hear it all the time. Right, I know, I know. Um, but also, I remember being somewhat funny that uh, of the group, Lady Blackhawk is more of the party than, yeah. than, than Hunter. Surprisingly. Remember, yeah. <laughs> she's like the one. Cinda. That, Cinda. Like at the end of the day, she's like, where's the beer? <laughs> Are right. we done? We busted crime. Where's the beer? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so then, issue ninety nine and one hundred, Gail Simone does it again. She makes a huge change. Um, Black Canary leaves the team. She brings in this little girl called Sin, who apparently is some type. Of, think of Batman's Ward with Robin. It's the same type of thing. Right. She leaves to go take care of Sin, and she brings in um, basically this little um, teleporting Batman clone misfit. Um, who has this power. She brings in Judo Master, who's 
always been kind of a, you know, a, a seedless character. But then she adds in Big Barda, of all people. <laughs> Getting the girls together, I suppose. Yep. Well, and it actually really worked. And here we go. Now I found it. This is the one with Lois Lane um, trying to get Oracle to reveal her identity and gets really close to doing it. Um, so while I'm talking about this, one of the things that I realized about Birds of Prey and why I liked it, and Gail Simone even brought this up, um, so I'm going to be kind of paraphrasing what she said here. Birds of Prey regularly brings in people who don't otherwise read mainstream comics. A whole audience that may not pick up any of the superhero titles, and I love that niche. And that was a thing that I realized when I was reading the book. That was not a book most comic readers no, it's a niche, would have, would have, niche picked, comic, would have picked up. Because let's face it, it's, even today, um, the comic book market is what, 80% male? Yeah, yeah, pretty Probably much. even more so then, and yet this was a best-selling title. Yeah. All because of the way Gail Simone did that team dynamic. Well, yeah, good art is good art. I mean, it's, it's going to sell. You know, just like, even, I mean, I guess there could be a writer out there that can make a beautifully excellent screenplay for Moon Knight, but uh, who knows? If the art doesn't sell, it's useless. Yeah. Right. And uh, we've been speaking of artists. We there have some been some great artists on this book. One in particular, our favorite of ours, Ed Bennis, Ed which Bennis. is one of the reasons I loved why I bought, Ed Bennis on that book. Yeah, that's the reason why I bought Ed Bennis because bought the book because I love his artwork. Right. I buy. He's like Ivan Rice. Absolutely. I will buy anything that Alvin uh, Alvin Ross. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Alex Ross, Ivan Rice. Um, Terry Dodson, who I spoke of a few moments ago, and Ed Bennis. I will buy anything those guys do because their artwork is phenomenal and it's and it's, it's just beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Just like I will find myself picking up a book I normally don't read if it has an Adam Hughes cover. Oh yeah. He doesn't get the, he doesn't he He doesn't do many interiors, but he knows how to sell them. He can sell a cover. <laughs> That's what I mean. Hey, hey listen. Wonder Woman can thank him for a lot of her sales. Oh yes, absolutely. Because how many, a lot of people picked that up and went, "Ooh, shiny!" Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were like magpies. Mm -hmm. Well, I but, think it's a dying art. It's making a cover that makes you want to pick it up and buy it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like records. A absolutely. How many albums have you bought of a band um, because the cover made you pick it up and go, exactly. oh, "I'll give these guys a listen." Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so there were other writers. Um, like I said, again, Tony Better took over from issue 109 to 112. Sean McKeever was supposed to have actually taken over the rest of the book at 113, but he only went to 117, and then Better again picked it back up at 118. The oh. irony here is Gail Simone leaves Birds of Prey to go do Wonder Woman. And what do you think happened? Wonder Woman went up, Birds of Prey started down. Right. Um, so, of course, the, the book gets cut. Then this really awesome miniseries happened, um, and I'm not talking about the one you're thinking of. It was the Brightest Day storyline with the Green Lantern Corps and Jeff Johns and all that, mm -hmm. where after the whole um, Spectrum War thing with you know all the other rings, we now have Kyle Rayner in the White Ring, and we had the Brightest Day thing. So they actually relaunched it in 2010 as one of the Brightest Day series. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you remember, so there was a bunch of them that would have the title and say Brightest Day, yeah, top tiny. banner with the white banner. Um, and again, it was Gail Simone and Ed Bennis on that series. Um, so that was really good. 
It picked right up where they where had left off when she left the book at issue 108. She even brought in Hawk and Dove as like new members of it. Um, and Oracle played more of a supporting role. Um, and then what ended up happening, DC decided to screw the pooch. And I told everybody, so by the way, we're doing this Flashpoint series and all your books are being canceled. Yay! And brought that to an end. <laughs> um, so, as I, ironically, after she got that announcement, she left the book after issue 13. So, for the last couple arcs, it was uh, Mark and Draco and Billy Tushy. Mm. Or Tushy did the art, right? Tushy. Tushy. Tushy, Tushy. Um, but it also had the original Black Canary and Phantom Lady and Birds of Prey members um, as well in it. Um, so then we get our, our nice Flashpoint New 52, and there we go. Lovely. You just killed the book, DC. Thanks, guys. But then we launched New 52, and we did get a New 52 relaunch of Birds of Prey as well. Boom. Um, huh? I said boom. Boom. But it was actually a good series. It yeah. was 34 issues. Um, now, who was writing that one? Diane... Dwayne, or Dwayne Swarzynski. Swarzynski. Thank you, God, because I'm not going to even try Dwayne to get that up. Dwayne Swarzynski. But uh, the thing that I really liked about this is it put Poison Ivy in as a member of the team. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are you smiling? Because, because, because I like Poison Ivy. It, it, I mean, for, for her to be as vile as she is, she's always great. She's always a great read whenever she's featured. It's always good. Right. Um, so Poison Ivy's into it. Barbara Gordon gets the use of her legs back. So now she's no longer Oracle. She's actually Batgirl in The Birds of Prey. Yeah. Um, I believe we also get back the new Black Canary in it as well. But then they also add Katana, um, which is actually a, an underused character who works really well in this team, ironically. I really liked her in uh, Batman and the Outsiders. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she works so well in this book, actually, that she gets her own spinoff series and then starts showing up in Justice League of America. Yep. Um, and then, so how do they take care of that? They pull in, and this was a stroke of genius, from the whole Batman Court of Owls um, storyline, you find a former owl named Strix, who they pull in and add to the team. She can't speak. She's lost her vocal cords, you know, due to another story that we get, I think, in a Catwoman annual, who now gets added to the team. And that character works really well also. Um, and then Rebirth came, and you know what happened to Rebirth, but um bum killed everything again. Um, but the point being is Birds of Prey has always been a solid title for DC um, so if you guys haven't read it you really need to go out get all the trades I know um, at least a Gail Simone run from the original Birds of Prey series is out there in trade because I have them all Right. Um, I know that the the Brightest Day series is out there as well in trade and I think even some of the New 52 one which is not a bad series <clears throat> New 52, there was a lot of problems with it, but Birds of Prey was one of the strong titles out of it. Right. Um, I would even say uh, Superman did better for a while. If if there was if there was any characters that benefited, I think we all can agree that, for the most part, the New 52 was rubbish. For the most part, yes. But you have but Batman was good. Mm -hmm. Green Lantern was very good. Right. Superman, yeah, we take it or leave it. Right. But um, Birds of Prey and Aquaman were the, were were the characters that really benefited. Oh, absolutely. From, from that, hands down, because like Aquaman got hot and never looked back. When was right. the last time you saw people clamoring to go to a comic book store to buy Aquaman? Aquaman. 
Edwin Kelly, see the comic took over on yeah. that book. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh yeah. And then the moment she put her hands on it, it's 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 just fire now. And and that's why I was so hoping, not to get off subject, but I was so hoping that Aquaman the movie was going to do very well because if there was a character that was deserving of overdue recognition, it was Aquaman, and he got it in spades. Oh yes, absolutely. But so with Freebirth. They actually launched the title as Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Right. Um, it's 22 issues, and I know there's trades of that out as well, and I think there's three of them, so I think they've got the whole arc. I don't know if that book is still going, to be honest with you. I think it may have met its demise already, um, but that's all right because, you know, we're going to get rebooted again, and it's going to come back. No, it's coming back. So, But, yes, as I was saying, if you haven't read any of the Birds of Prey, do yourself a favor. Go at least find the Gail Simone run and trade paperback. You will love those. All those stories were great. The ones that I mentioned, uh, Sensei and Student, or Sensei and Student, and uh, the... I can't remember any of the title arcs now. I've gone at the story arcs. Anyway, they started issue 56. You'll know the covers. Um, it'll tell, it says Gail Simone across it. They make sure they have her oh, name yeah. blazoned on it. Um, but that's about all the time that we have for this week. We're running a little short because, you know, I don't have time here for his insight because I'm sure he has some stuff that I didn't uh, look into. Want to remind everybody, we do have our YouTube channel. We have our Gmail, lostandlongbox at gmail.com. We have a Patreon account. Would love for you to go in there and throw a few bucks our way so we can keep doing what we're doing. Um, Facebook page, obviously, facebook.com, Lost in a Long Box. Um, Madman's got his two shows. Since you are actually got his show, since you are actually here and we can see your pretty face, yeah, go ahead can, and plug yourself. Yeah, you can go to my YouTube channel, search for the Madman Lowercase, or just search Shock Monkey Radio and you should find my YouTube channel. And uh, that's where I get to cut loose. Or you could just, if you just like listening to the podcast, you can subscribe to my podcast, Shock Monkey Radio. Every Tuesday from 6 to 7. And we have our Facebook groups uh, that are affiliated with us that um, Enos has set up and runs majority of. Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever. The Realm of Superheroes, Comics, and Pop Culture. And Gather Together, the Greatest Superhero Teams. Um, don't forget, too, um, our man, Troy, who um, at uh, Flashback Comics, who's our sponsor, also does the Comics Online podcast with our buddy Kevin every Monday from 9.30 to 10.30. Until next time... I'm going to be down here telling you, Enos, Black Canary can prey on me anytime. Why is that? Because we're lost in the long box. Yes, we are. Thank you.